Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. January 27th, 2022. It's almost over. What's almost over? January. Of course it is, because it's the 27th. And guess what's coming up? What? Chinese New Year. Oh, you love <laughs> I love. Chinese I love New Chinese New Year. Susie, we're going to have um, longevity noodles, all my favorite food. I'm going to get so I'm going to make you Chinese dumplings. I'm going to make a great dinner. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Okay. Wait. Before we start, KT, everybody wants a fishing report. Oh, okay. I said I hope I caught three Wahoo, but I only we only got one. However, after we realized that they the bite wasn't on, meaning the, the Wahoo weren't biting, we changed tactic and we did deep dropping. And deep dropping is one of my favorite, favorite fishing because it's like Christmas. You drop a line almost a thousand feet into the water. You can't see anything. The fish don't see anything. And you watch the tip of your pole and it goes boom, 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 boom. little tiny, like maybe half inch moves. And you have to hit it and bring it up fast. And it's electric pole because no one could, could reel up by hand. A thousand feet. A thousand feet. It would take forever. So you hit it, it comes up, and bam, you never know what you're going to get. And I caught some fabulous yellow eye and a grouper. Oh, and the grouper. grouper to, ca- to catch a grouper, it is so really hard. hard. Oh, my God. And, and they're, they, they bite. They're lazy fish, so you kind of have to almost land right where they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was we ate delicious. report, everybody. We've been so making now good stop fish. writing me and asking me how KT and Colo did. We had fun. Fishing. Although Colo did catch a wahoo on a jig. Which is unheard of. Which is unheard of. So, great. All right. This is Ask KT and... Susie. Anything. And this is where, if you have a question, and so many of you do these days, all you have to do is write to Podcast at gmail.com. And if Miss Travis chooses it, then we will answer it on the podcast. However... I do go through all of your questions. And as many of you know, I answer you directly when it kind of tickles my fancy to do so. Why are you squinching your face? Because this first question from Sarah, Dear Susie, I love your podcast and found them about a year ago from a friend of mine. 
Now, Susie, this is a long, long, long question, so I'm going to shorten it and get right to it. So Sarah's question is this. I believe on your January 20th podcast, a woman who is 54 years old wrote in stating that she projected she will have about $2 million by her retirement age at 70. She wanted to know if she used the 4% rule each year, would that money likely be replenished over the following year? I was disappointed for the first time in your answer. Then Sarah continues on. I would guess that many of your listeners, me included, would be lucky to have 25 or 50% of that 2 million by age 70. So your implication that 2 million may not be enough was extremely disheartening. I would have to work until age 95 (laughs) to come close to that amount. And I consider myself in pretty good financial shape for my age 59. No debt, no mortgage, no dependents, and a Roth IRA maxed out every year as well as contributing as much as I can to my company's 401k. So Susie, please clarify your answer. I do not want to work until I'm 95. Oh, Sarah. So you're disappointed in my answer, but you did not understand my answer on any level. It's never how much money you have. It's how much money do you need to cover the expenses that you have. And on so many podcasts previously to this, I always would say to everybody, you know what I learned years ago when I was actually seeing clients was that you had people that came in that had millions of dollars in their 401k. They had a pension of thousands of dollars, and yet they couldn't afford to retire while others would come in and they'd have maybe two or $400,000 in their 401k, maybe a $2,000 a month pension, and they would be more than fine. So my answer really to this person was, there's no way that I can project, will that $2 million last year or not? Because it is all dependent number one truthfully, on market returns and if, in fact, her expenses are low. Now, I just have to say this, Miss Sarah, is that, have you seen what's happened to the market in the past few weeks? Past few days. It is possible that this woman could now be in her retirement year. She has retired. And now, all of a sudden, that year her portfolio goes down by 50%, Mm -hmm. by 75%. And so so my answer was not incorrect, even though you didn't like it. But sweetheart, you took it the wrong way. It's never, never about how much money you have that allows you to retire. It's really about what your expenses are. So if you're in a situation where you own your home outright, you have no credit card debt, you have everything covered like long-term care insurance and everything else, it doesn't really matter. Maybe you could even make it just in your social security, depending on your situation. So you should not be disheartened. 
You should be hopeful. You should be joyous that you're doing the best you can possibly do. And KT, I just have to say one more thing. In all the years of all the thousands of people that I saw, when they retired, if they had been responsible and kept their expenses down and just had a moderate sum of money and owned their homes outright, not one of them ever were not able to retire. So don't you go worrying your pretty little head about it. Got it, girlfriend? Oh, you thought I was going to give her a slap down, didn't you? I, I wasn't sure how you were going to handle it, but I'm happy you gave her hope. I hope I gave her hope. And listen, everybody, it's fine if you disagree with me. You can let me know that you disagree with me. I'm not sure it ever will change my answer, but you can disagree with me. <laughs> okay. KT knows that one for sure. Oh, yeah, I sure do. <laughs> so the next question is from Susan. It's actually not a question. I think you need to set this straight because she's very confused about Alliant. It says, Susie, I was going to join Alliant under your offer, but it requires me to allow them to share my information with foster care to success, which I do not want to do. Are you aware that they are requiring this? Susan. Do you think I would ever do anything with anybody that I wasn't not only totally aware of it, but I was supportive of it? Everybody, please remember, Alliant Credit Union is making the most generous offer for you to make more money on your money than any other credit union or bank out there. And what's interesting about it is to be part of a credit union, though, you have to be a member. And if you don't meet certain qualifications, Alliant Credit Union had to figure out a way how any of you, no matter where you live or who you work for, can be part of this extraordinary credit union. So at no cost to you whatsoever, if you just contributed $5, period, and it's not even you contributing it, Alliant Credit Union pays that $5, and you then support Foster Care to Success, you get to partake in the high interest rate, not only that Alliant Credit Union is giving you, but if you put in at least $100 a month for 12 months, they're going to give you $100. And at the end of the year, hopefully there will be another sweepstakes, where last year they gave away $20,000. Now, I just also have to say this, over last year alone, so much money was raised by this for Foster to Success, who would wouldn't want to help support foster that. kids? Exactly. Who? Who? So really, Susan, I hope you change your mind. And if you don't, okay, but you're missing out on one of the best opportunities out there ever. So for those of you who do want to participate, go to myalliant.com. All right, KT. Susie, next question is from Jenny. Hi, Susie and KT. I am a self-employed psychotherapist. I'm 44 years old. I currently have a Roth IRA and a SEP. I put the allowed 6,000, I guess that's annually, in my Roth as a priority 
and whatever else I'm able to save for retirement, I put into the SEP IRA. I'm wondering if there is a way as a self-employed small business owner to save more in some other type of Roth account. As a therapist, I deeply appreciate your compassionate and sound financial advice. And then she goes on to say when she works with couples, she hears your voice, Susie, that says, people first, then money, then things. And she said, and that helps me help others to be both financially and relationally wise. There we go. So my dear Jenny, if you work for yourself and you don't have any employees, you can always do a solo, meaning just yourself, Roth 401k. What does that look like? I for? never knew. I never heard that. This is the first time I ever heard of a solo. Solo. You know how I feel about Roth, right? Yeah. Well, this is a solo one. <laughs> how many Roths are there? Katie, let me answer this question. So you can do a solo Roth 401k. You also, if you want, can always convert the money that you have in your SEP IRA to a Roth converted account. Now, obviously, you're going to have to pay taxes on that when you convert, and you can convert any amount of it that you want to, so you don't get that big of a tax hit. But that way, you could get your money into a Roth. Now, remember, when you put money into your SEP IRA, you got a tax write-off for that. So having to pay taxes then on it to convert is no big deal. But you can do one of those two things. Okay, next question is from Marsha. I have a sister-in-law who is 70 years old and never married, no children, no other siblings. She lives in a fully paid house that her parents left her. I have a feeling that the deed may still be in her parents' name. Her closest relatives are my adult son and daughter. She had indicated some time ago she was planning to leave her home to them. I just learned she has no will. So long story short, Susie, this um, Marsha wants to know what can she do to help her have the conversation that allows her to get uh, trust so that the house doesn't go in probate. Uh And she said her daughter told her mom that every time she tries to have the conversation with her auntie, she just does not want to go there. So what can she do? Here's what you need to do is you need to get your sister-in-law to listen to this podcast right here and right now. And a podcast she can listen to at any time she wants. So sister-in-law of Marsha, listen to me. Don't be stupid. And that is the word that I want to use. Because if you die without a will, you really have a will, whether you know it or not, because your property is going to go into what's called intestate succession, because every state already dictates when you die without a will, who is going to get your property. And not only who's going to get it, but it's going to have to go through probate. So what is wrong with you? Why would you not want to make sure that if you have this home, I don't care who you leave it to, you don't have to leave it to your sister-in-law's kids. That's not the point here. Whoever you want to leave it to, not only should you have a will that says where all your things are to go that are within your home, 
but you should also put that house in a living revocable trust. And you do so because you want to avoid probate. Otherwise, let's say the house is worth two, $300,000. Whoever is going to get this house is going to have to come up with ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 just to get it. Why do you want to punish those that maybe you love? Hey, you want to leave it to a charity? Fine. But this is a conversation that you need to have. And at the age of 70, now I'm going to be 71, so I can talk to you like this. <laughs> Girlfriend, things can happen. I very easily, don't cry, KT, could have lost my life 18 months ago, right, KT? Yeah. It was a good possibility that that was going to be the outcome. So don't tell me that you just don't want to talk about it. You are too old and hopefully too wise to have a sister-in-law who is so smart that she writes in to the Women in Money podcast for me to tell you this. So after you hear this, I want you to sit down with your sister-in-law and have a conversation that has to be had, whether you want to or not. Next question, Miss Travis. Ooh, Susie, if Oprah's listening to that, she go, there's a Susie slap down. <laughs> Oprah's birthday. Oh my God. Oprah's birthday is in two days. We'll have to email her and go, what? Let's send her a fun video. We always do. No, but we'll do a really, I'm going to send her a fishing video. Happy early birthday, Oprah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Next question is from Cindy. So here's my question. She said, Susie, I sold a rental thinking about using the money to pay off our house with the $300,000 proceed, but the interest is only 3%. I'm about 12 years to retiring. My husband about nine years. We have no other debt. Our home is worth 590000 We owe about two hundred eighteen. We have 12 months emergency fund. What are your thoughts on paying off the house or investing this money? Well, let's see. How do you feel about the stock market right now, Cindy? How do you feel if your money was in the stock market? Let's just say you took this money and you invested it in the stock market, and now you're down 10, 20, 30, some stocks are down 40, 50, 80% versus you having your home paid off. What is the goal of money? Answer, Miss Travis. To be secure. To be secure. So my answer is dependent on you. What would make you feel more secure? Would you feel more secure if you owned your home outright? That way you know no matter what happens over these next 12 or nine years till you retire, you own your home outright. Would that make you feel more secure? Or would you feel more secure putting your money in the stock market and now it goes up and it goes down, it goes all around? Which would make you feel more secure? If it were me, if it were Miss Travis, Let's say it at the same time. What would we do? Pay, Pay the house the mortgage. Out. Right. That's right. Pay it off. That's what we would do. We would pay it off. And then you would still have $80,000 because of the three hundred, you owe, only owe two eighteen. dollars If you want to take some of that in dollar cost average or do whatever into the stock market, or if you want to take that and take advantage of some really good quality stocks that are down here right now, big time, go ahead and do that. 
But the other thing you could do is if you pay off your mortgage, take your mortgage payment every single month and dollar cost average into these markets. Next question, KT. This is from Albert. Hi, Susie and KT. On Thursday's podcast, you answered a question about when taxes are due. I, that was a quizzy, and I think I got it wrong, right, Susie? I don't yeah, remember it was. your quizzy. On IRA to Roth rollover, answer was April 15th of the following oh, year. Oh, yeah. I got that. You got that I one got wrong. That you one got that wrong. one wrong. Don't you have You to, hate when you get them wrong. I do. Why, KT? Because I really should know the answers by now. See, you make everybody who listens feel so good that the spouse of Susie Orman doesn't know the answer to certain things. And then people can identify with you. It's so sweet when you don't know. But don't you think I should know after over 20 years but there's, of listening to the answer? Well, you've never even heard me talk about this topic no, before. This, this was a little confusing. But so let me finish the question from Albert. Don't you have to be concerned about owing the IRS a large sum of money? Would quarterly payments be due to avoid any penalties? You know, that's funny, KT. As you know, uh -huh. I look through every one of these emails. Do you know how many people wrote this exact same question? Now, remember, everybody, I don't choose the questions that KT is going to ask, but I read them all. So many of you asked me this exact same question. So let's just get something straight. When you're paying taxes and you're making estimated payments, for instance, all right, you owe to stay out of penalty, you owe either 90% of what this year's tax liability is going to be or 100% of last year's tax liability. So as long as you're paying in four equal payments, what last year's tax liability was, then you don't have to worry about how much you're going to owe this year. So no, I'm not worried about penalties at all, just so you know. All right. Here's the next question, Susie. Hi, my name is Diane. I'm 66 and my husband is 67. We have a variable life insurance policy we started, Ugh. I know your favorite, Ugh. in 1993. Uh. Wait a minute. Our premium is $300 quarterly for $150,000 in insurance. I figured we will have paid 34,800 by the end of 2022 the total cash value is 24,000 i think it's about 24,000 so what should i do susie cash out and get term or just keep paying and my kids will still get what it's worth when we die there you go what should she do i know look if you could all see susie's face Oof. Well, I'll tell you why, Diane. My face looks this way. She's mad, everybody. I'm not mad, I'm sad. She's sad and a little mad. Because here we are. You're 66, you're 67. 29 years ago, if you do this throughout this entire year, 2022, somebody convinced you to spend $1,200 a year a year 
for $150,000 of life insurance, telling you, fabulous thing to do. Now, the reason I'm sad is 28 years ago, 29 years ago, I was telling all of you, do not buy whole life insurance, do not buy universal life insurance, do not buy variable life insurance. So if you had listened to me back then, want to hear the difference, Diane? Rather than having 24000 and again, according to your email, we're not sure if it, the cash value is 12000 or 24000 because of how you wrote this. So we're a little confused there, but just let's assume it's 24000 all right? If you continue to do this through 2022, putting in $300 every quarter, if you had simply put $300 every quarter for 29 years and only earned 5% on your money, you would have $78,657 today. Also, if you had made more than that, because over the last 28, 29 years, you easily would have averaged at least 10 to 14% on your money. But just let's say it was 10%. You would have almost 200 and $7,000 today. Okay? I know, okay? I know, I know. It's and yet now, you just paid in 34800 but that's not what you lost because you lost what the future value of that money should have been for either twelve dollars to $24,000. And now you're asking me, what should you do? Cash it out. That's my girl. But before you cash it out, here's what's very important. You are 66 and you are 67, your husband. You still have at least 20 to 25 years or longer if you're healthy to live. So if you took this money out, you know, I'm sure there is something over that period of time that you could make that money grow big time. Now, for you to have $150,000 to leave to your kids, that means for another 20 some odd years until you die, you're going to still have to put in $1,200 a year. So there goes another possible $78,000 minimally down the drain. So here's what I would do if I were you. If you are healthy, and you know you are healthy, then I would absolutely cash out these policies. And what I would be doing that with that money is if you qualify for it, put it into a Roth IRA every year, divide it equally, and put, you know, 7,000 in yours, 7,000 in your husband's, whatever it may be, you could invest the rest. If you have this money and you owe money on your mortgage on your home, pay down your mortgage. The goal is not to worry about your kids. The goal is to worry about you and do you and your husband have enough money. But if you know, go to see the doctor, get a full exam. If you know both you and your husband are absolutely healthy, you can absolutely cash this out. Now, for whatever reason, you want to have insurance, all right, you could get a term insurance policy. But at your age, it starts to get very, very expensive. 
because the reason term insurance is so cheap is because usually you get it when you're younger. You get it for 20 or 30 years. You're not expected to die within those 20 or 30 years. So the premiums are nil. Once you start to get to 70, 80, and so forth, term insurance, there's a good possibility you could die with it. So they charge your premiums accordingly. So go to selectquote.com, check it out and see what maybe a five-year policy might cost. But I personally think it's a waste of money to do that unless something happens, an accident or whatever. I think you're far better off taking advantage of this money and especially as markets go down here, possibly investing it. All right, KT, I just have to say one more thing before you're quizzy. All right, and it's this. Many of you are writing in and you are so freaked out. You're freaked out because you own bond funds in your retirement accounts or you own bond funds outside of your retirement accounts or you own bond ETFs. Listen to me closely again. If you have no place else to invest, or you've already invested in target date mutual funds or bond funds before you freak out, I want you to check the maturity of the bonds that are in your ETFs or target date funds. Because if you do, and they are under five years of maturity, then just stay where you are. And it's just that simple. So I, again, don't have a problem if you already have money in short-term bond funds, or if you are in a target date bond fund or ETF. And when I say bond funds, I also mean ETFs. And the maturity of your bonds are under five years. Just stay right where you are to go from that into the stock market right now, into the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index would be one of the biggest mistakes you have made because nobody knows where these markets are going to go and it's too soon. So don't do it. And the last thing I would want you to do is to take a large sum of money and put it into the stock market right here across the board. Not now, okay? You can nibble on stocks that have come down, that have good multiples, that have good earnings, and things like that. But be very careful here, everybody. Just be careful. If on the other hand, you look at your bond portfolios in your ETFs or mutual funds, and you see that you're in a long-term bond portfolio, which means maturities of 10 years or longer, that I would think about getting out. It's just that simple. Just because you're in a bond fund doesn't mean you should sell. Be very, very careful. All right, KT, it is time for your quizzy. So this one is from Melissa. Mm -hmm. Now, I wrote Melissa, and I told her I was going to be answering this on today's podcast. So don't screw it up, KT, okay? Okay. All right. Now, Melissa says, right, I am 53, and my ex-husband mm. is 65. We were married for 11 years. 
He is remarried and I am single. Yay, she says. She says, yay. <laughs> well, Congratulations. Let's give her a yay. Yeah, yeah baby. baby. All right. He is eligible to collect my social security, question mark. So that's your first question. Is he eligible to collect her social security now since he is remarried? And is there any impact to my balance when it's time for me to collect? She says, don't worry, I won't be collecting until I'm 70. She also wants to know, am I eligible to collect on any of his or would that go to his current wife? So there are many questions here. So the very first question, everybody, is her ex-husband entitled to collect on her social security? He is remarried. Remember that. And how long were they married? 11 years. I believe the answer is yes. You're positive? Well, I remember you talking a lot to one of my family members about 10 years, about a 10-year yes, mark. Yes, I know. I was like, don't, don't stay in there for 10 years. So, but here's the thing. All right. But, uh, but he can't collect it till uh, she would, he can't collect uh, it till she's at retirement. Uh, All right. Uh, totally wrong. Okay. The reason is, yes, you have to be married at least 10 years. Right. And then you get divorced for the possibility of collecting on each other's social security unless you get remarried. Her ex-husband got remarried. He is no longer entitled to collect half of Melissa's social but security. But she's going to be entitled because she didn't next get question, remarried. Next question. Okay. Is there any, if the answer to that was yes, let's just say it was, is there any, because let's just say he didn't get remarried. Is there any impact to my balance when it's time for me to collect? So if a spouse, if an ex-spouse collects half of your social security, does it impact your social security at all? No. Ding, 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 ding. Everybody, stop worrying if your ex is going to collect on your Social Security or not, because it doesn't affect what you get on any level. Now, last question. So you're going 50-50 here, KT. Am <laughs> three, I, three strikes, right, Susie. Am I eligible to collect on any of his, or would that go to his current wife? After 11 years, I believe, no, I don't think she can. Final answer? Yeah, because he couldn't. Well, wait, she didn't get remarried, so she can. Yeah, baby. That's right, because she didn't ding, ding, get ding, remarried. Ding, ding. She's single, yay. Yeah, so she All could right. if she wanted to. Okay. But the question is, should she want to, KT, collect? on his social security right now because, and everybody listen closely, Melissa said she was only 53 years of age. That means that she was born after January 1st, 1954. And if you were born after January 1st, 1954, you no longer can collect 
on your spouse's social security and postpone taking your own or your ex-spouse's social security. So if you, Melissa, take his social security now, then you are not going to be able to collect your social security when you turn 70. And that was your plan, according to your email. You wanted to take Social Security when you were 70, your own. So if your Social Security is going to be higher than your spouse's or your ex-spouse's, and you were born after January 1st, 1954, you can only take one or the other. So again, Melissa, if you claim his right now, you're not going to be able to claim yours at 70. And obviously, again, you would always take the one that's higher. All right, KT. We did it. We did it. And we're doing this podcast, just so all of you know, from Florida. We're back in Florida. We'll be back on the island tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I had to get a haircut. Do you like it? I had to go to the dentist. Yes, but I had to get a haircut. <laughs> My hair was just too bushy. Well, she also had to do a few other things to get ready for February. Yes, February. We have, we have a lot of TV and lots of fun things Susie's doing in February. Yes. So, all right. We leave you right now. Again, happy birthday early to you, our dear Oprah. And really, there's only one thing that we want for all of you, and that is for you to remain safe, Safe, strong, and secure. secure. See you on Sunday. Bye-bye. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.